Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And welcome everybody to the second part of our dive into Ingo Swan. Uh, last week we uh, got started the book and we read about him being sort of kidnapped of sorts, but mm-hmm. voluntarily kidnapped, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, went of his own accord. Yeah. Um, there is a chapter after that called Feedback of Sorts, but I'm going to leave that one till the end. Okay. Because um, when, he, when he actually left the, uh, the bunker that he was taken to, well, we assume it was a bunker. We don't actually know where he was taken to. Um Axelrod said to him that uh, my name Axelrod is now retired when you leave here and will not be used again. We will be in touch with you in some other fashion, which I will make sure you recognize. If anyone ever asks you about Mr. Axelrod or about this place or asks if you know anything about it, such inquiries will not be coming from us. Please act accordingly for our sakes and your own. Mm. And he does. He does actually have some kind of reporter or something, an investigative reporter, uh, ring him up and ask about that. You know this whole situation, and he just says, "I never don't know what you're talking about, mate." <laughs> yeah, don't give any. And the bloke's away. like, "What about Mister Axelrod?" And he goes, "Who?" And he goes, "You know, Mister Axelrod." And he says, "Nah, I've never heard of him." Mm, Dial sorry. tone. Yeah, the guy doesn't even say goodbye. That's it. Um, so, Smart. yeah, th- there is then this, the next chapter is called Feedback of Sorts, but I'm going to leave that until the end, and you will see why. The next part is an event in Los Angeles. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, he went over, I'm not sure exactly how long this is after, oh, I think it's the next year, it says it's August, September 76. Um, Travelled several times between SRI and Los Angeles, which he calls La La Land. Um, just see some friends, uh, Conrad and Shafika and Viola. Mm-hmm. Now, Shafika and Viola are like mystics, you know. They, they, they're similar to him. They've got these gifts, you know, uh, uh, and um, but they, they're a little bit dubious sometimes because he works with government contracts and stuff, and they, mm. they don't. They're, they're, they're a bit more sceptical with government. Okay. But he likes to talk about, you know, all things psy, you know, uh, psychic and, and whatnot. But sometimes they're very careful not to say too much. 
So he comes up with the idea of throwing them a nice fancy dinner, get some nice wine flowing, and that tends to loosen up their tongues. Yeah. So um, that, that's what they plan to do. He, he and Conrad uh, go down to a local supermarket, and he is try- going through down the vegetable aisles, and he's looking for artichokes, I believe it is. Oh, I love artichokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as he's sort of getting toward that down the vegetable aisle, uh, he sees this woman, um, and he ca- calls her ravishing. He says she was notable not so much for excessive female physical endowments, by the, but by the fact that they were barely covered. She was dressed, dressed in the briefest of halters of pink with big yellow polka dots. Beneath that were short shorts, so short they barely existed. And far beneath that, she wore a pair of platform high heels about eight inches high. She had volumes of gorgeous black hair and her eyes were covered by purple sunglasses. She was absolutely awesome. And he thought, good heavens, she was rummaging through the artichokes and he wanted some. So he thought... I can have a cheeky look here, you know. Yeah. So he goes down and he starts inspecting the artichokes. The actual artichokes, not yeah, the, the, artichokes. the artichokes. But you know, he's surreptitiously having a having a gander at her, you know, you know, having a good look. And um, as he's doing that, so it's almost love at first sight for Ingo. Sort of, but as he's. Uh, uh, checking out the artichokes and he stood right next to her and she's obviously busy in herself with choosing what artichokes she wants as well he says he experiences an electrifying wave of goosebumps throughout his whole body the hair on his arms practically stood to attention he said and the hair on the back of my neck definitely did without rhyme or reason or forethinking or anything at all I suddenly knew she was an alien an extraterrestrial. I did not see that coming. <laughs> no, you know, you wouldn't, would you? You just think, oh, she's fit. Yeah. And then he thought so. So because he didn't know if she'd picked up on this psychic link that he'd just experienced, he sort mm. of cautiously moved, I guess he got his artichokes that he wanted, moved away, and uh, he was sort of trying to keep an eye on her as he's gathering other vegetables and, and what he's doing. He scans the supermarket. Down the very end of the vegetable aisle, who do you think he sees? That same woman. No, one of the twins. <gasps> They're dressed casually, and he's got his eyes straight on that woman. Oh. Looking directly at her. So they knew. So he's like, well, if one of them's here, where's the other one? He looks down the other end of the aisle. There's the other one, still casually dressed, watching that woman. And he's like, uh, I think I'm in the middle of something here that I don't want mm. to be in the middle of. So off he go. He takes himself away from the vegetables, right the way to the other end of the, the store, gets what he needs to get, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, goes back out to the, the car uh, where it, with, the, with his friend, and they just sort of sit in the car, and he says, just wait here for a few minutes. He waits for the woman to come out, and he goes, what do you reckon to her? And his mate looks over, and he goes, oh, she's an alien. What? Honestly, yeah. And uh, he's like, what do you mean? You, you, you've 
you think she's an alien too? And he says, well, yeah, she's definitely an extraterrestrial. We've got loads of them here in La La Land. What? That's what he actually says, yeah. Um, so he then goes back over uh, up to his friend's house. Obviously, they have a, a meal and whatnot. And he tells uh, Viola and Shafika about this woman. And, she, and, and Viola's like, yeah, there, there's lots of them, you know. Uh, many are bio-androids. And Shafika says they're dangerous, though, you know. And they realize that Earth psychics are their only enemies. Be careful, Ingo. Be careful. This is ramped up already. <laughs> and all of this information that he got, he didn't mention to them anything about Axelrod. Yeah, right, okay. That's so, his top secret. Yeah, that's secret. That's to him only at this point because he does mm. keep it secret for that at least the 10 years, probably even longer than that, 20 years, 30 years, yeah. something like that. Um, it's only a few days after the encounter he returned to New York um, he said, I only half expected a call from Mr. Axelrod, and it wasn't long coming. Phone rang early one evening, and a cheery female, vo- female voice on the other end said, and Mr. Swan? He said, yes. A friend of yours would like to talk with you. Okay. He wants to talk with you on another telephone. Is it convenient for you to be at Grand Central Station at 7.30 tonight? Yeah, I suppose so. She says, very good then. Go to the vicinity of the information box in the central concourse and wait there until you see someone you will recognise. Telephone goes dead. They, none, none, none of these people ever say goodbye <laughs> or thank rude. you or anything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he does go to the uh, central station and he waits there around at you know, 7.30, around the, the, the information box that he's um, told to go to, where he sees one of the twins. Mm. Twins okay. doesn't say anything, but he sort of gives him a nod, you know, follow me. Yeah. Follows him, like, down these corridors and into different tunnels that go off to different platforms and whatnot, and then leads him to a telephone box, dials a number, puts some money in, dials a number, has a little chat, and then just leaves the, the, the phone on the shelf... <laughs> Exits the telephone box and sort of indicates to Ingo Swan to go in and carry on. This is top secret stuff. It's it's very surreptitious, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's different because last time he handed out cards with writing on. Yeah, this time the twin's not speaking. He's not speaking. He's he's just gesturing. Yeah, he's just said, there's a telephone. I've already dialed the number. Well, he didn't say it, but that's the impression he's got. So he picks up the telephone. Uh, the other end uh, was a little static and not knowing what else to do. I said, hello, Mr. Swan. It was the same cheery feel vo- vo- female voice who had telephoned me at home. So I got that one wrong, didn't I? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is that thing on your right hand? Oh, you mean my tattoo? What is its color? Mostly green. Good then. Please wait until you're linked. So yeah, a few beeps happen, a bit of static. Finally, a voice he recognizes. Axel. Ah. I'm sorry to have to do it this way, he began, but we had to get you to a telephone that's, which scrambles our conversation and where you can be watched. Uh, he was about to say hello, but Axel Ross's voice became very firm. Do not say anything except answers to my questions. 
So knowing he was going to yell at me because of my inadvertent encounter in La La Land, I remembered I remained quiet as a mouse, is what he says. I may see, seem a little aggressive, Axel said, but we would like to know why you were in Los Angeles supermarket. Uh, I was staying with some friends and we decided to cook a dinner. I wanted uh, orange aspic with the lamb chops and I wanted to stuff artichokes and we didn't have any. Silence. And then there was no other reason. Had you ever seen that woman before or seen her since? No. Why were you looking at her? Well, for Christ's sake, she was extremely sexy and nearly falling out of the few clothes she had on. I first saw her from the rear and just tried to see what the front looked like up close. She was messing with the artichokes. You're sure there was no other reason? Absolutely. More silence. Then, what did you think of her? Now it was... Ingo's turn to be silent for a moment while he collected his thoughts, and he says, Well, I don't know why, but I got the impression she wasn't uh, exactly like us. What was she like? Extraterrestrial. What made you think that? I have no idea. It was just an impression. She had some kind of vibes or something. She sent chills up my spine. I felt the hair on the back of my neck starting to stand up. Have you, f have you felt you've seen people like her before? If you mean, have I seen extraterrestrials before, the answer is no. Strange people, sure, but nothing like what I got from her. Okay, that's fair. Why did you run away so fast? Well, after I spotted the twins, I figured something was going on. The whole thing scared the shit out of me. Okay, Axel said after a pause, I'll buy it. Do you think she noticed you, psyched her out? I have no idea. She was into the artichokes. The whole thing happened too fast, but she never looked at me, at least I couldn't say for sure, since her eyes were hidden behind those strange purple glasses. Think, man, Axel insisted. This is very important. Did she notice you at all? No. My best guesstimate is that she did not. Were you at the counter first, or was she? Well, she was. I first saw her from away down the aisle, and then I decided to go up and have a closer look. You're sure? Sure of what? Well, did she make any attempt to get close to you, or was it you who made the attempt? I wanted to blurt out that the twins well knew the answer to this, since apparently they had her under surveillance. I don't think she saw me at all. It was... And, and she was there when I got there. Okay, good. I feel obliged to tell you that she is very dangerous. If you ever see her again, especially if she approaches you, make every effort to put distance between you and her. But act natural. Always do it naturally. Do you understand? Not really, he said, but I guess so. <laughs> Good. How's your remote work viewing work coming along at SRI? He says, very good. We're getting good results. I'm under understanding more every day, and I'm aiming for at least... 65% accuracy across the board. Hmm. Can you actually achieve that, Axel said. He said, probably, but frankly, not in every case. We, we all, our clients too, are interested in the possibility. We would be interested as well. We have a special task. Can you let us know when you reach 65%? How long do you think that'll take? Well, if we don't do it soon, we might not get more funds for next year. Uh, you have an office with a desk in it, right? Yes. When you reach 65%, take an ordinary piece of bond paper, 8 inches by 11 inches, write 65 on it, and leave it underneath the blotter. How the hell did he know that the desk had a blotter? Okay. Good. We'll be in touch shortly after that. Do you understand everything? 
you really didn't, but he says, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you get the general drift of all this and that no one, no one can learn of any of this. I get the general drift. All this is serious and dangerous, right? You got it. Axelrod hung up. Didn't say bye again. Again, so. no bye, no bye. But now, if I was Ingo, I would be thinking at this point, they're constantly watching me 24-7. Almost, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, this this part here, now, he says it was about a year later, in June 1977, he actually placed the 65% signal under the blotter on mm. his desk. And he says, the entrance to my office was code locked. Only I knew the code. It only existed in my mind. I hadn't written it down anywhere. I checked under the blotter every day and afternoon thereafter for about three months. And then one morning, it was gone. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Or in its place was some dust-like powder in which a finger had scrawled two words, expect contact. <laughs> well, this is getting more mysterious by the second. Yeah. Okay. So the next time we meet Axelrod... Does it ever explain how they got into the coded room? Nope. They just have ways. They, they, they just, yeah, they just... Getting wow. wherever they want to go. I mean, th this whoever they work for is such black ops, and it's yeah, yeah. so secretive. Uh, yeah, they've probably got spooks that can just pick a lock or whatever and get in wherever they need, don't they? So, oh, this is nuts. But anyway, um, yeah, a few days after the uh, the message in the dust, uh, he's at work. He's going. Uh, through to the dining room with his uh, colleagues and he notices Axelrod standing large as life in the canteen next to the door to the the washrooms what? and the, the washrooms for some reason have got you have to get a key from the counter to get in there and Axelrod just opens it up and goes in so Man, like a skeleton kid. yeah uh Ingo f gets his own key, goes in the bathroom, obviously, after Axel. And he says, when I entered the men's room, Axel boldly locked the door with the key and whispered in, whispered in my ear, can you get away right now for the weekend? I want to take you somewhere and show you something. Just nod, yes or no. He nods, yes. There's a car in the parking area outside the lobby. I'll wait for you there. Invent a convincing story for your friends. You may be away for as long as four days. He unlocks the door and disappears. So Ingo goes back to his friends, obviously, makes up the... I think he just says he's got to go and visit... Uh, yeah, I was supposed to join some friends in San Francisco for a long weekend. And they, they don't really think anything too much about it. It says the car outside proved to be a high-wheeled Jeep and Axel himself was the driver. They leave SRI. Axel goes to the freeway and 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 they, they, they start their journey. Axel turns to him and says, have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, yeah, I think so. Can you describe it? Well, when I was in high school in Toole, Utah, I used to climb to the top of a large hill called Little Mountain. From there you can see across the vast Bonneville Valley and see the Great Salt Lake to the north. It has big islands in it, you know. 
view of the vista is just wonderful. And I used to take naps up there in the late afternoon, but on this particular day I noticed a speck of light really high in the sky over what must have been Salt Lake City. It was flying west and I thought it was an aeroplane moving really fast, but at a certain point its westward flight abruptly stopped and made a right angle turn downwards. Not a curved turn down, but exactly 90 degrees. It plunged straight down, fell into the shadows of the islands or mountains. Uh, I stood up thinking the plane had exploded or crashed, but as I did, the thing rose directly straight up out of the shadows. It rose, rose to its former elevation, about 35, 40,000 feet up, and once there, it disappeared directly into the west in a burst of speed, which was dazzling. I didn't know what to think of this, but years later, I decided it must have been a UFO. Um... Axelrod was silent, and then he says, we may have an opportunity to see one of them rather close. Are you game? Mm. Well, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they travel to a an airport, abandon the car right outside the front door. <laughs> okay, no, don't worry about parking. <laughs> no, and there's a Learjet waiting for him. Now, you know you've got power and money when you can just park out front somewhere and just leave your car. Yeah, leave your Jeep just right, random in a no-parking zone yeah. <laughs> and just walk through an airport onto your own private Learjet. Damn. Um, yeah, so they basically get comfortable in a in the Learjet. There is some conversation and whatnot. Um, but they are then... I think one of the twins is flying the the Learjet. Of course he is. <laughs> and it's uh, and they do he does uh, Axel does say that it, it looks like a Learjet but it's a lot more better, you know. They've obviously got a lot of technology in there. Uh I think uh, Ingo has a little sleep on the flight and and, and that sort of thing. Um hmm. But yeah, that that's uh, that's their thing. And they land in this little backwaters. It's more of like a, a, an airfield that isn't like a main airport or nothing. It's just some dodgy little airfield. Okay. And um, jump in a, in a van, I think it is. <laughs> Drive for about another two hours. And then they stop. And Axel's like, right, um, we're, we're on, on foot from here. And they, 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 they yeah, they, so they, they, they hike up this trail. Uh, he doesn't know where in the country he is at this point. It's just very much <laughs> wilderness. It might even be Canada or somewhere like that. Yeah, I can't imagine with all the f- traveling and flight and driving. Yeah. Um, He's very trusting, this Ingo Swan. Oh, yeah, very, very trusting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, they make it to the top of a hill, and the, the view that they've got in front of them is of a, of a large lake. Mm-hmm. And... He's, he's, the two twins are there, Axel's there, Ingo's there. And he's told to just sit down, be absolutely silent, and don't move a muscle. Wait. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen soon. Now, this fog starts building over the lake. And uh, the twins and Axel are like, ooh, 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 this is, this is it. It's beginning now. A fog. A fog. Makes its way across the lake. Uh, Axel goes, it's begun. Please, please, do not make any noise and do not move unless we tell you. 
Um, so he, he can't really see a lot at the moment. The fog continues to build for about five minutes. And then he says, suddenly I saw what had begun. For in a moment's eye flicker, the grey fog changed, first into new, luminous neon blue and then into angry purple. At that point, Axel and one of the twins put a firm hand each on, of my, on each of my shoulders. And it was a good thing they did. A network of purple, red and yellow lightning bolts shot in all crazy directions through the cloud and I would have jumped up if not held down. And then there it was, somewhat transparent at first, but in a few second, in the next few seconds, as if fading up, like, like a movie term, out of nowhere, there it was, solidly visible over the lake, whose reflecting waters I could now clearly see again. And it was getting bigger. He said, I don't know how it was getting bigger, it just... It was. It was like it was material. It had already materialized, but then it was sort of growing in scale. Well, the UFO. Yeah, and it was kind of um, diamond shaped. So he says it appeared to be diamond shaped. At that moment, in my astonishment, we could hear a wind coming, and it moved past us like a tangible magnetic field, rustling the pine trees around us. Two firm hands on my shoulders tightened, warning me not to move in pure physical reaction. Uh, at the same time, ruby red laser-like beams began shooting out from the thing, which was incredibly, which incredibly was now growing even more in size, while still stationary in its original position, floating over the lake. One of the twins now talked very softly. The sound of his voice was like thunder to me. Shit! They're enveloping the area. They're gonna spot us. I had no time to wonder about what he meant. Indeed, some of the red laser beams began blasting pine trees, of all things. At the same time, the thing had now increased in size to what might have been about 90 feet wide. The whole of this so far had been accomplished in complete silence. Even the electric bolts had not crackled. The blasting of trees, though, was now audible. At the same time, I could begin to hear low-frequency pulsations. Um... Axel says they're blasting deer and porcupines or something up in the forest. Obviously, you know, they need food. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The beams sense biological body heat and they're sure to hone in us, on us. At that moment, the two hands tightened on my shoulders and I was dragged and practically thrown back into a ditch. There was a terrific pop where we had just been and some large branches of nearby pines cascaded down onto us. And that was my last sight of the triangular thing. But in that last moment, I could see 
the water of the lake surging upward like a waterfall going upwards as, as if being sucked into the machine. Hmm. That's odd. Yeah, very, very odd. The whole situation is odd, but an upwards waterfall. Yeah. Was it almost like the UFO was getting energy from the water? I, th- I, th- I mean, if these are the same beings that he's encountered on the moon... Moon has no water on it. I mean, it does have sort of permafrost ice in certain places, but not drinkable water. They mm. need, they need water and they need food. There's nothing on the moon, so they would have to oh, yeah, yeah. come to Earth to get it, wouldn't they? That makes sense. Porcupines, though, <laughs> that's a delicacy. I don't know. Why, why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, basically, that that is kind of the end of it really they, he did have a cut on his leg they dressed it for him and they make their way back to the van and back to the the uh, airport the the little airfield so these lightning bolts and stuff were actually quite lethal they were destroying yeah. stuff yeah yeah they had to kill him so they weren't just beams of light they were actual kind of lasers yeah your star wars laser beams Ooh. yeah basically um now at one point axel asks him what did you sense? And he goes like, are you joking me? You, you could have at least warned me that you wanted me to try and sense something. Like you told me to sit there in absolute silence and just yeah. observe. You didn't tell me what to expect. Mm-hmm. What was I supposed to sense? Yeah, Panic, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stress, worry. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, that, that is sort of it really. Um, Axelrod laughs, changes the subject. He says, well, well, it was probably a dangerous risk to expose you to this appearance, and we really had no right to do it. He said, I I, I laughed and relaxed. Jesus, Axel, I'm ready to go for it again. Who wouldn't be? Axel says, well, probably that will not be possible. I shouldn't tell you, but our mission will be disbanded shortly and the work picked up by others because of strategic security reasons involved. And he says... "Uh, uh, Ingo says, others who will not mix with the psychics, I take it? You got it. Next week you will be summoned for a complete physical examination, ostensibly in line with overseeing the health status of the people on your project. We just want to be sure you experience no physical damage. The physicians performing the examination will be ordinary doctors who have no knowledge of our existence. You can explain your leg injury in some way there. And Ingo says, I won't have time next week. We're going to Catalina Island to do some underwater remote viewing experiment with a submarine. I'm okay. The cut of my leg's small. Uh, I won't have to explain to anyone. The last time I saw Mr. Axelrod was at the San Jose airport. And so there ends the tale of my encounters with him and his ultra-subterranean covert mission. I cannot prove a word of what that tale and because this was the case, I never intended to make a re- written record of it. It was mm. only sometime later, quite a lot later, that he decided to uh, actually write this down. Now, and the twins are gone as well. Yeah, the twins. You know, ne- yeah, never, never, ever sees Axel or the twins has any more encounters with them. So that was again. his last mission that with was, them. Yeah. Wow. And he actually got to see a UFO close up. Yeah. And in some ways attack him. Yeah, almost got killed by one, you might say. Mm. Now, here's a couple of things that you I'm going to jog your memory. Yeah. 
One is, do you remember last week when he first met Axelrod? Axel asked him if he had heard of or met a man called George Leonard. Yes. And he said, no, I don't think so. And he, uh, Axel got pictures out and put it on the desks and, and asked him to... Yeah, uh, and he recognised two of them, but not... But not George Leonard. Yeah. Now, a few months after that, like I say, this, 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 I should have explained this earlier, but for, for a reason I'll explain it in a second. I didn't. This chapter, feedback of sorts, what happens is, do you remember I said... Axel would send him feedback in a stamped but unmarked envelope. envelope. Yeah, Yeah, because he wanted feedback straight away. That's right. So a few months after his first encounter with Axel, that's exactly what happened. He got a a, a stamped but unmarked uh, envelope, and in that envelope was a book titled... Somebody else is on the moon. And the author's name was George Leonard. Mm. He said, I spent the next few hours reading it and then reread it two more times. Uh, Apparently at the time of my ultra secret visit, Mr. Axelrod had already known that this book was coming out. And of course, he'd been interested in whether I knew the author or not. Leonard apparently had obtained NASA photographs of the moon which, after all, are in the public domain because most of NASA's work is funded by a taxpayer money. And when I first read this book mm-hmm. about six, seven years ago, that just flew completely over my head. I didn't really take any notice of it. But this time round, I nearly fell off my chair when I read that. And I'll tell you now why. Is because a few weeks ago... When we were doing the original Moon Anomalies episode, mm-hmm. which came with its own gremlins, much like last week's episode came with gremlins, we're hoping this week won't have any gremlins, but we don't know. When we did that original Moon Anomalies episode, I bought the book Somebody Else is on the Moon by George Leonard. Oh, so it's linked. <laughs> How do I do these things? That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that a little bit... St- scary and and yeah. i mean i only got it because the pictures that he has put in the book are nasa footage pictures and i wanted to use it to show you the structures on the moon yeah yeah um but this is an axel uh, axel uh, <laughs> amazon reprint and the the quality of the photos even even the quality of the writing is so blurry and horrible i ended up not using it yeah, yeah. So you ordered the book. I ordered thinking, the book. Oh, that would be great for the. That'd the be great, episode. and then it, it turned out, yeah, well, not good enough to actually use in that episode for the reason that I wanted it. But then when it appears in Ingo Swan's book, Penetration, yeah. as his feedback, as his proof for what he's seen on the moon, I was like, well, I'm gonna have to read this book now, aren't I? Oh, that's crazy. And that is why I said last week that we might actually be able to start doing sort of a bit of a, a series. Not, I'm not going to do it week after week after week. We're not, we're not going to do another six weeks of moon anomalies, mm. but it could be something we could pick up at a later date, comparing the results from these books. Because Ingo, he, he did um, go back through. He, he re-sketched out some of the things that he sketched for Axel from from memory and compared it with what George Leonard was finding in 
the photographs and dangerously close, mate. Scarily wow. close. So that is kind of proof that he was able to astro astro yeah or remote view remote view yeah these things that he's drawn here in the book that's what what he's seen and then when you go through this book you'll see very very similar sketches yeah and stuff so so I think it would be an interesting thing because the rest of Ingo Swan's book is his theories on the moon and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Um, it goes on about like uh, 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 the Apollo 14 mission. Once they, the, the lander had left the moon, it, it ejected the landing stage back onto the moon, and when it hit the moon's surface, the seismographs that they'd left there recorded, obviously, sort of earthquakes. Mm, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's been reported that the moon rang like a bell for nearly an hour. Wow, from that little from, stand? Yeah. Well, I suppose it wouldn't be little, would it? But... It's not so little, but, I mean, it's not, um, it's not a massive object, it is it? But it was enough to yeah, tremors. Yeah, of. tremors on the moon and made it rang for, like, a bell for nearly an hour. And I just think that since we've got this ton of information here, we might as well readdress this at some point in the future, if people are interested, at least, anyway, um... You know, why don't we carry on digging into the moon a little bit? Well, I know my buddy Jack. At risk of the cameras all failing on us and (laughs) and hard drives corrupting things. Well, I know my buddy Jack would love it because he loves everything to do with the moon. Yeah, so so do I. I mean, it's you know, me, space is kind of my passion. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating. Like, that's a crazy coincidence, though, because I remember you saying about that book, and I remember you saying... Yeah, I've got this book from Amazon, but yeah, the quality is not great, so I don't feel yeah. bother using it. And then now you've just unveiled that. Yes, yeah, I mean, I don't know how it, the other week we mentioned Mystic Meg. Four days later, she died. Yeah, on this, that that episode, Moon on Only episode, I buy this book, don't use it. You read this one, and it's mentioned in this one. Yeah. So it's like how in tune you keep calling me. Yeah, get out of my head, pirate. You're in tune. <laughs> you are in tune, man. No, that is nuts. Maybe I've got my own little psychic ability, eh? Oh, possibly. Who knows? Who so, knows? I'm guessing Ingo, with that as kind of proof, he's gone from like a 65%. So it's surely that's made him into like the 80, 90%. If they're... Well, I don't know what Ingo would say his uh, hit rate is. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously it got better and better and better. And like I said at the start of last episode, he is seen as the father of remote viewing mm. because he was so good at it. Yeah. And because of all this research that he did, um, he sort of, I think he's like even started schools teaching people how to do it and that, like, you know. Is he still around today? He died in 2013. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. We could have had him on the podcast. That would have been nice. Yeah, it would have been awesome. But, oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, that that is my story on Ingo Swan anyway. The book is called Penetration. You can buy it from Amazon like I did um, and read more of it yourself if you want a slightly more detailed uh, description of it. Uh, it's a good read. I will do recommend it. So we've got to put it to the paranormality scale now, Josh. What what do you reckon? Oh, well. How believable do you think that is? You know what? I think a lot of it is... I keep bashing the table with my leg. My apologies. Um, I reckon that I, there's a lot of it... You could almost give each section its own paranormality yeah. rating. 
because some things are obviously more fascinating and more believable. But as a whole, I still find it very believable because the way and the lengths that Axelrod and the twins went through to keep that so secret. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's such an in-depth, I suppose, experience because Ingo's got the drawings. He's kind of proved what he he saw on the moon. Um, The only thing I'd like to know more about, so I might borrow the book, is – about the alien, like how did his friend know it was an alien as well? Could he remote view as well? Or? Uh, yeah, I think he'd got his own sort he of... His he, own... He, yeah, these are like a circle of psychic people that he sort of moves and, mm. and, and relates to. Um, as for how, how his mate just instantly looked at the woman and said, yeah, no, it's an alien, obviously. <laughs> That's you bizarre. Know, that is a little bit bizarre. But... Um, me, personally, I really enjoyed this story. Yeah. I was I was very fascinated. Last week's episode and today's episode. I, I come up with some good books, don't I? Yeah, yeah, real <laughs> fascinating. Um, oh man, I really enjoyed it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight point nine. Eight point nine. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's low, mate. I'm giving yeah. it a nine point three. Nine point three. Yeah. I wanted to give it a nine point one, but. I need more answers for the aliens. That's Fair the only enough, bit. Yeah. That's the only bit where I'm like, oh. Fair enough. What I think what the fact that it's the level of secrecy. Yes, yeah, yeah. But because he's not signed a document to say that he's got to keep it secret and it's so many years later that he even brings it up and writes the book about it and just the way it's all carried out, it just it seems very real to me. It does. Yeah. It really does and it's it's tenable from the get go as well. With with the mysterious phone call, the passing of the notes, the gestures. yeah, and it all came from his original friend, who works we assume somewhere in the White House or did, yeah, uh, who was just asking him for a favour. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'll give I'll give it a solid nine then. A solid oh, nine. Yeah. Yeah. You've bumped up a bit for me. Fair I'll enough. give it a solid nine. That would give us an average of nine point one five, wouldn't it? Five, yeah. Nine point three. So yeah, that's that's a good result then. Yeah, that's a very good story. I'm going to borrow that book from you. Yeah, go for it, mate. I want to know more about the alien part as well. It's good. Yeah. But I mean, you can't blame a guy for falling for a woman who loves artichokes. So. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly no. if she's scantily dressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was checking out her ass of jokes. So. Yeah. No, very good. Very good podcast. I really enjoyed that, mate. As, Thank uh, you, mate. You've got a way with storytelling that gets me hooked where I'm like... I know. I'm, you, you've been dying to get this second part done all week, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been <laughs> keep saying to you, English one, part two. So, <laughs> but now... Yeah, I, I, I want to know Mind more. blown. <laughs> yeah, he had a bit of everything in there. You know, yeah. the other bit that got me was I, I was hoping when you said about the, the woman and described her so well, I was thinking, this story's already got action. It's got mystery. I was like, now there's a bit of romance. And then you went, <laughs> turns out she's an alien. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> poor old Ingo was going to get a bit of romance. I thought you were going to say, like, maybe you met his wife and then I, she got involved and, you know. Well. I, I'd, I'd, what I'd like to know is if he ever actually encountered the woman again, mm-hmm. what made her dangerous? Yeah. Could she feel the vibes as well? Uh, we don't know. He doesn't say. I mean, oh, I wish he was around. We could ask him. Yeah, yeah, it would be good. Send him an email. Get him on the podcast. But mm. without having a time slip, that's not going to happen. No, and I think the reason I like this so much is because 
shout out to the Doddleston Messages crew because it's very similar in a way. Yeah. Where it's it's unique. It's different. Yeah, yeah. And you know, some people are very quick to to ridicule and judge and things like that. But I think when you actually take the time to invest in a story and actually mm. get your research from the book and from the people and it, and it, themselves. And it's realistic as well. It like is. with the vertical plane, the dollars and messages, mm-hmm. all the way through the book, they were trying to debunk it themselves, trying to yeah. prove that it was somebody playing a prank on them. Mm-hmm. And this time it's, you know, I mean, it, 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 yeah, he's a psychic or, or whatever, you know, he's got his psychic abilities why? What is so unbelievable about the government wanting to utilise that back in the nineteen seventies? Yeah, yeah, and keep it a black ops operation. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly, mate. I've, I find it very fascinating. It is very fascinating. I loved it, and everybody out there can enjoy it themselves. Buy the book, Amazon. Uh, I think it was about twenty pounds, English pounds. Um, very worthwhile read, and. I guess with that, it's, uh, we, we're drawing to a close. Yeah. So. You've penetrated yeah, if, my heart. If, if you at home have found other books like this that you'd lo- want us to deep dive into and tell some spectacular stories, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, always, obviously, send us an email with your own stories, paranormality.uk at gmail.com. Like and subscribe. Comment where you can. Give us a rating. Mm. We still, still want more ratings. We, <laughs> we need some reviews. You know, <laughs> reviews and ratings is, is, is what we want from our audio crew. Yeah, yeah. To, so we know that you're actually digging it. Step up, audio it, crew. It, uh, the audio podcast has taken a boom recently. We're doing quite well with that. Yeah, yeah. It's thank gr- you. It's growing everyone. well. So thank you to everybody that's downloading the podcast and enjoying it. And spread the word. Tell your friends. Mm. Yes. Tell everyone you know. Yeah. If if you can get one other person to download our podcast on a regular basis, I'll give you a kiss. <laughs> oh, pirate smooches. Yeah. <laughs> but until then, I've been Pirate. I'm Josh. This has been Paranormality UK. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Mm-hmm.